Man, I encourage you, church family, to visit the table in the foyer. Um, your pastor is not only pro-life, he's pro-option uh, for these mothers and for these children. And uh, the adoption process is the greatest thing that's ever happened in mine and my wife's life. And we can serve them in many ways. And so I just want to invite you to visit the table and just take a card and ask the Lord how uh, you can join with them. Uh, as far as her comedic efforts that she was trying to, uh, you know, that certain things are gifts. And, you know, some people have abilities that they can. Uh. But I prayed about dating Kelly. And when she was in her 30s and I, I was a little older and I... Uh, I prayed about it, and the Lord really quickened to me that, so here I am and here she is, but she was going to age so exponentially that by the time we got to the end, we would. <laughs> she said because of stress. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get back to the Bible. Can I just get, yeah, get back to the Bible. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. There's just so much, it's so much in my heart. So, you know, we did, I did get to celebrate my 60th birthday, and Elisha said, Dad, it's like having a dad and a granddad at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, son. Back to the Bible. 1 Samuel 7, beginning with verse 7. If you're there, say amen. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. When the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Before you're seated this morning, it doesn't always happen like this. But almost every theme of what the Lord had laid on my heart to share with you was covered by either our worship leader or by Jason. Uh, when we think about the phrase, hitherto hath the Lord helped us, it's wonderful to talk about David uh, triumphing over the bear and the lion and then the giant of Gath. And it's wonderful to think of how the Lord rescued Noah and his family. And you can, the list can go on and on and on. But when Jason said that, he took my introduction. But, but this morning, as I have been very reflective more so than normal, uh, with the 60th birthday coming up. And I, I looked over my shoulder and I up to this day, have you helped me? Up to this moment, 
Have you been faithful and kind and preserving and protecting and good and merciful and dependable and, and patient and, dis- and, and in your discipline? All of those things hitherto have the Lord helped me. So this morning, if you'll allow me, we're going to look at this story about this moment, but I just want to talk to you about the Lord's help in my life. And it's kind of like giving a testimony. You know, we talked about this in men's group. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you God. I do. And I just want to honor the Lord this morning and tell you that up to this moment, from before conception, the Lord has helped me. And so, Father, I just humble myself before you. Uh, You know the deal. Uh, An unprofitable servant at best, but you chose me before I was conceived and you foreordained me to be transformed in the image of your son and you, you, you brought me back to your presence in your home and then equipped me and I'm just grateful, Lord, I'm just grateful today. Would you allow me to tell your people of your goodness in my life in such a way that it will stir them to flip back through the pages of their yesteryear and they could say, Ebenezer, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And I just thank you for the opportunity this morning, God, and I'm grateful. In your son's name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Very simple outline, but I'll be sharing some uh, historical things from the text as well as some personal uh, from my life. But if you're taking notes, we want to talk about where he has helped us how he has helped us, and who it is that has helped us. When you look at this story, and the Israelites gathered together, and the Philistines came upon them, they they saw them unarmed, and gathered together in a place, and uh, before the Lord's help came, you need to understand about this place. It was a field with many memories for the Israelites. It was a place of failure and defeat 20 years earlier when the Philistines routed the Israelites. It was a place of their sin because it's always the sin in the life of the believer that leads to defeat. It's not defeat that leads us into sin. Their carnality, their idolatry, their worship of other gods, their forgetting God in the land of plenty... And here, see, that's how we know that we are not where we are supposed to be in our walks with Christ. We suffer defeat. He's not suffering defeat. And if we're in him, then we know victory. And if we're outside of him or distant from him or living in rebellion, this field that the Lord helped them in was a place of past defeats, failures, and sins. And wherever you have defeat, failure, and sin, you have sorrow and regret. And so this, this field where the Lord came in, and I love how it said, he thundered against them. And the Lord rescued the, the Israelites on this day against the Philistines in a place of their remorse. This is where they lost their children's freedom. This is the place that they, it, they showed a weakness and a lack of courage and great defeat, which led to great sorrow. It also became a field of of repentance 
where they turned it. See, God uses the defeats in our lives and our failures and mistakes to turn us back to the one source, the one well of living water, the true God. And this is also, uh, he helped them in the battlefield of their oppressors. Now, having said that, I want you to think of your life. God has helped me and helped you in the field of my failures and my defeats and my many sins in the rebellious, the rebellion of my early years and the perverse sexual immorality. He helped me in the places of my greatest regrets, things that I've been forgiven of that nobody else in this world knows. It was there that he met me in my darkest room, in my deepest grave, in my strongest prison cell, and he thundered against my enemies. He came and found me there and broke not only chains of, you know, we love this thing about breaking chains, but what good is breaking the chains of a dead man? No, no, he, he didn't just rehabilitate me. He brought me from death unto life. From light, from darkness unto light. And then freed me. The signature mark of the believer is freedom. He met me where I was sorrowing over my sins and showed me that he paid for them. In full. Salvation is of the Lord. It does not come from the will of men. It comes from the Lord. He, he made me aware of my sin through his word. He convicted me of his sin by his spirit. He drew me out of my sin by the Father's grace and then showed me salvation through the person of Christ. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. Every good thing in my life has come from him. And everywhere you go to the good place in my life, it is there that the Lord has helped me. He's helped me with my mind. He's helped me with my body, my soul, my emotions, my countenance, my words, my abilities, my capabilities, my opportunities. My life is one running movie of insufficiency being met with sufficiency. Failure being met with grace. An inept an unqualified person being met with the, with the grace and the power and the goodness of God. Doors being pushed open. Enemies being pushed back. Mountains being leveled. Valleys being raised. Hitherto it the Lord helps me. Everything in my life that's worked is because God helped me. The sin of our, our nation and our world that denies, not, uh, denies even knowing God is that every ability and capability they had came from God. Not just life, but ability, capability, opportunities. Where has the Lord helped you? Everywhere. That's why he resisted the proud. Now listen to me, those of you that have even called yourself self-made. That's a scary place to be when God and you know the deal. Everywhere you stand, the Lord has helped you. Wait a minute. And everywhere you fail, the Lord has helped you. I, I know this is simple, but some of the most profound things are very simple. And we need to realize that it's the Lord that has brought us, bought us, carried us, uh, gave us gain, increase, strength, power, might. 
It's the Lord that's done those things. So where has he helped you, John? I can't throw a dart over my history and hit a place where it's not been the goodness of God and the kindness of God and the mercy of God and the new mercies of God. His mercies are new every morning. And every step of my life, I look back and I say, surely, goodness and mercy have followed me, me, all of these blessings, and not one of them deserved. How has he helped me? By coming in and being all that I'm not. By being faithful in my unfaithfulness. By being kind in, in, in my inconsiderateness. By being selfless in my selfishness. We need to turn our paradigm upside down and realize that up to this point, every good and perfect thing in our life has come from the Lord. He's helped me. He's helped me willingly. He helped me sufficiently. He helped me joyfully. He helped me powerfully. He helped me unexpectedly. He helped me in answer to prayer. I could just go on and on our whole life when you get to heaven and realize that it was the Lord that brought us, carried us, nurtured us, fed us, redeemed us, restored us, all of those things. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful works that he's already done. Given to the Lord the glory due his name. Might change my name to Ebenezer. Now, how has he helped us? Look in your Bible at the story. They cried unto Samuel and said, Samuel, would you cry unto the Lord for us? And Samuel took a lamb and offered it unto the Lord. How has the Lord helped us? Everything that he's done came through the lamb. You, you know, these... This modern day, watered down, diluted, polluted Christianity that helps no one where you walk up on the street and tell someone God thinks you're amazing. You know, God is so impressed with you. God delights in you. No, God was angry with me because I was wicked every day. He was angry with me every day. But the lamb that was slain for me gave me access. So here's God. The Philistines are attacking them. Uh, overcoming them, robbing them of their freedom, and there's no reason for God to turn to them. They're backslid at best. And Samuel pointed to Jesus who was yet to come. And even the shadow of Christ brought deliverance. Everything. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and sustained and helped and preserved. Everything comes through Jesus. If you have a home church and Christ is not the beginning of the message, if he's not the sustaining part of the message or the church, and he's not the culmination and the destination of such, leave. If this church fails to do that and preach that, leave. He's helped us through Christ. Christ is our source, our strength, our life, our bread, our living water. And when Jesus, when, when, when the Israelites were in bondage, and again, just pointing to Jesus, just, just a look that way brought the power of God. God told them to, to, to put every man, his family in the house and uh, take a, a perfect lamb, each house a lamb, and, and dip the, 
brush in and paint the lintel of the door. And God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Do you know when that door shut, there were crooked people in that house. They were mean-spirited people. They were idolaters and adulterers and, and pagans. But under the blood, judgment doesn't pass them. Don't think for a minute that we are spared because of our attendance or our work or our service. Every bit of mercy that found its way to us came from the offered lamb. Came from the lamb. The Lord's helped me because of Jesus. The grace came because of Jesus. And in another place, the Israelites were, were judged by God and snakes were sent to, to bite them. And they, many of them died. And he told Moses, just take a serpent, a, a serpent of brass, uh, which is a symbol of the curse, and run a pole through it. Shape it this way and hold it up. And everyone that looketh upon it shall live. And it was a type of Jesus becoming a curse for us. So just, just pointing to the idea of Jesus to come. And here's these people with venom running through their body. And they're, they're, they're going into uh, an altered state. They're dying. And all they do is they bring granddaddy up to the wind and just turn his head. And he catches a glimpse of that brazen serpent and he's healed. Just a look. Do you understand the power of God usward through Jesus it's not through effort. It's not through will. It's through looking that way and catching a glimpse of the one who was to die for us. Now we are looking back at the established fact that Jesus Christ hung naked upon a cross and cried out, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's helped us through the Christ. Number three, who it was that has helped us. It's not a Lord that helped me, but the Lord. It's not my truth. It's the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not one of many. This is the righteous God, the almighty God, the only God. Like David, I cry out today. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help always has come and always will come from the Lord. His help predated me. This right here, can I, can I just spend a moment? This just, this just rocks your theology and your comprehension and understanding. He spoke of Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in your mama's belly, I knew you. So how do you know somebody that doesn't exist exactly? John, before there was a John, I helped you. How? It's a mystery. I planned the family I was going to put you in. A godly mom and a godly dad. For some of you, he planned to put you in a home that was opposite of that, and it drove you to Jesus. He said, each individual I've planned, his help predated my life. That's why I can say boldly, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. They're not suggested. They're ordered of the Lord. His help predated me. It's protected me. I remember, again, this is a lot of remember this week. Um, before, I, I, I was born again when I was a little boy. I know I was. Nine, eight or nine years old. 
And then when my father died, that was it. I had nothing to do with God. Zero. Just if, unless you count praying drunk. That was it. From 11 to 24. And I remember waking up beside my motorcycle at the, my girlfriend's dorm there. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. And people were walking by, stepping over. You know, you just, I was just puddled up in a little circle. And, you know, uh, those of us that have the same background as me, they say, how can you sleep like that? You get enough alcohol in, you can sleep anywhere, upside down, standing up in a rose bush. It don't matter. So I was all puddled up, and my helmet was there. And several months ago, the Lord whispered to me, said, you remember that? It's a lot I remember. I felt the whisper of the Lord. I'm, it wasn't audible. And my angels took care of you so that you wouldn't die and face judgment. So before I even knew, oh, I was preserving you because I made a covenant with your mom and dad. I made a covenant with them. And the angels, the Bible said, are sent forth to be ministered to those that are be heirs of salvation. Not, John, you, you had help and you didn't even know it. I put my dog outside at Mercer to use the restroom. I was gone about 30 seconds and I come in and there were three men in my house. And uh, guys, can I tell them a guy's secret? You know, we watch these TV shows and somebody's shooting at somebody. Say, man, anybody ever come in my house? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And like Ray Lewis said, everybody, got some plan. everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. You know, I thought, you know, I, I would have just manned up and beat everybody. But I walked in and this guy was about, oh, from here to here. One of them was holding my TV and the other one brought a gun over and he's, boom. And then all of a sudden you just saw I was way out in the parking lot behind the dumpster. The policeman that interviewed, when we called him, you know, he interviewed me, he said, well, how many shots did they get at you? I said, one. What do you mean, how many shots? I said, I can tell you how to find him. He's passed out somewhere from smoke inhalation from my shoes. He's running behind me. And the policeman said, well, where were you standing when he shot you? And I said, right here. And there's, you know, the, half the wall blown out. And he said, well, no, sir, you couldn't have been that close. I'm just telling you what the policeman said. He knows his business. He said, you would have had powder burns and such. I ain't putting two and two together. How many of y'all were as lost as I am? You were so lost you didn't know you was that lost, dead, dumb, stupid, all it. I said, no, sir, I could have just about leaned over and hit him. He goes, no, son. I'm like, yes, sir, this man was close. What happened, John? He preserved me. He helped me. He kept me alive until I could come to faith and come back home. That's why it's a sin to come into a church and some of us be standing there like a statue. You have forgot where you came from and what he delivered you from. There ought to be songs and laughter and dancing and shouting and thank you, Lord. We Yes! We've forgotten what he's done. There has not been a day that I've deserved it, nor a day that I've done without it. The Lord has helped me.
I've seen this help. I've lived this help. I've depended upon this help. And I live in expectation of this help. His help has rescued me, delivered me, established me, prospered me, humbled me, chastised me. It has never failed. My help cometh. I love that phrase in Psalms 121. My help cometh. Do you see it? It's coming anyway. Does anyone else see it? Doesn't matter. Don't take your cues from other people and their bad eyes. My help cometh from the Lord. I know that help is on the way. See, you can categorically say in any situation of your life where you are walking near Jesus and you're walking in obedience, regardless of the odds, regardless of the height of the giant, regardless of the depth of the Red Sea in front of you, regardless of the enemies, help is on the way. That's it. See, faith, that's the victory that overcomes the whole world. My belief system that I told you a couple weeks ago that all things work together for good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Doesn't matter what cards dealt me, I know that God's going to weave this into the tapestry of his perfect will and he'll show himself faithful. But this one, if you believed, how would this change your life if you believed and had the statement, like when, when life just hits you and takes your breath away, help is on the way. Well, they told me this at my job. Help is on the way. Well, the doctor gave his report. Help is on the way. God is so consistent. If he helped yesterday, is he not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Help is on the way. This is what it says in Psalms. I have not put my trust in princes, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. And yes, I am blessed, happy to be envied, because I'm a man that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God. I have not put my trust in princes, but in the Lord. For just the next few moments, maybe 10, I want to talk to you about how he's helped me. He, when I mentioned a moment ago about my heritage, I don't take for granted that of all the families he could have put me in, he put me in a family of a, a pastor and a pastor's wife who could preach as good as my daddy could, teach as good as my daddy could. I was raised knowing the Lord, knowing his spirit, knowing his power. Before I could r read, I was leading little boys to Jesus. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9, because my mother and daddy sat at a very inexpensive kitchen table in what you would call a very, very, very small, poor house. And I was taught the ways of the Lord. I, I grew up seeing my mama love my daddy and my daddy loved my mama. And we all loved Jesus. And church was a beautiful thing. And ministry was a beautiful thing. And it was her prayers and his prayers. And every morning of my life, I think mama had to sleep in some because she did all the work. Daddy didn't do much work. Like he, he, he did the Jesus part. Mama did almost everything else. But I would get up and he would be at the breakfast table in his little pale yellow boxers with his Bible open. This was my home. Somebody hearing me this morning, this was my home. And I'd walk to the table and he'd go, hey, sugar baby, can I get you some breakfast? Now, when daddy said, if mama says you want some breakfast, that's bacon, eggs, grits, toast, you know, danishes, country ham. If daddy said breakfast, pop tart, <laughs> probably broke, you know. Yeah, yeah, a bite of what he's having. But that, that was my home. Some of us, 
have majored on what our parents didn't do. But if they gave you Jesus, if they gave you the example, if they raised you on the songs, I don't know all these hymns I'm singing to you because they were sung in church when I gave my life to the 20s. It was hearing my mom and daddy sing them all through the house. Seeing my mama clean and sing unto the Lord and do her little dance shuffle she do and she sing to the Lord. I don't take it for granted, mama. My heritage. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. They tell me stories about what my mom and dad did for them and fed them and clothed them and preached and taught. And they say, your daddy was the greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life. Or they would say, nobody ever loved me like your daddy and your mama. He helped me by giving me the start I needed. And here I am with three adopted babies and I want them to hear the songs of Zion. I want them to hear the prayers. I want to see the study. And my wife models it so beautifully in front of them. And we both do. He's helped me in my family, in my heritage. He helped me in my body. I was born a waterhead child. And I wasn't supposed to live. They told my mother, 0% chance he'll live. My daddy said, well, what if I live? What if he lives? He said, he's not going to live. Well, what if he lives? He's not going to live. Well, what if he lives? Don't you just love faith-filled parents that won't let go? Your boy can't live. Well, I heard that part, but what if he lives? He said he'll never have the mentality of a three-year-old. His brain is damaged. My daddy locked himself in the basement of a church for three days and prayed it out and prayed it through. He said, okay, Lord, if he, if he doesn't make it, I'm yours. I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to finish the race with joy. But God, aren't you the one that helps me? The Lord said, go pick him up. I just healed him. He gets there. This is way before computers, by the way. They'd already written out the death certificate except for date and time. Well, I may not be brilliant, but I got it all over a three-year-old. <laughs> and you've got things and people and places in your life that they ruled dead, too far gone. And the Lord came in and healed you. Healed you. Do you realize you're still in the house of the Lord? Standing here? Some of you died two or three times. You've done the field of dream things. You know, you stick your hand through, come back out. And we're still here. Is it okay to be loose enough to say, thank you, Lord? Thank you for healing our bodies, oh Lord. In my loss and absence of a father, he has helped me. I'm, I'm not looking for your sympathy. I have a wonderful life. I don't know of a man that I would swap my life with. That's the truth. Never met one. Never met one. But I have, like some of you, a huge void. When my daddy died, a part of my mama died and a part of me died. I, my daddy was my person. And you, my church family's heard me share this, but for the sake of those that are new, I just want to tell you that one of the holes in my life is I've never had a father's voice since my daddy died. Never had a mentor, never had the one that would cheer you on, be at the ball game, you know, never been able to say, hey, it's good to have my daddy here on the second row, you know. 
Just, I just haven't had that. But the Lord drew near, I think, extra close and fathered me. And uh, the reason I say that is not because I am special at all or any different. You know, when you were talking, Jason, about the evidence, about the evidence, if you hug somebody with bad cologne, and by the way, some of y'all, listen, less is more. Just please. You put them put so much on for so long that you keep putting it on till you smell it. But all this is burn up. You don't know how much is on there. And when you hug me, I enjoy you for a week <laughs> at a time. Oh, I done lost my place. I knew I was going to lose it. Evidence. Okay. They, thank you, Jason. So, see, when I go home and my wife says, there's something about an aqua velva man. There is evidence that I hugged you. Two people knew what aqua velva was. was <laughs> see, this is when you get older, Jason. Use young, use. Contemporary examples, they, they go, they're going to Google it. What's an aqua velva? Look up high karate while you're at it and look up some of that. But the evidence that I hugged you is in my suit coat. You take it, did it clean, and who you hug? This is not good. Who'd you hug? Okay. The evidence, the evidence that the father drew close to me is I don't ever want anybody not to have a daddy. My, my funnest thing I do and my favorite thing is being a father and a father's voice and a father's shoulder and a father's encouragement to other people. So in the place of my greatest void, he helped me. He helped me make it back home from my prodigal's journey. He gave me the immutable foundation of his word and the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. And I just want to go on record. Listen. Some of you, because I, d I don't practice disorder in God's house, I want to tell you, I'm spirit-filled. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. But weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I'm not embarrassed of Him or His Spirit or His ways. And I'm grateful, and I want to say publicly again, that not only did He give me the earnest of His Spirit, which was for me, but he gave me the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was for you and others, that there would be an anointing on the words and the ministry. And I'm grateful for that. The greatest need in your life post-salvation is to be full of the Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. It's the greatest need. He has helped me in my weaknesses and in my immaturities and my ignorance and arrogance. Lord, I'm grateful today that you don't just throw me away, but you discipline me. And it's the evidence that I'm your son, because if you didn't chastise me and purge, it would prove that I was a bastard, the Bible says, that I was an illegitimate, somebody that wasn't part. I'm grateful. It was good for me that I've been afflicted. It was good for me. You see what time out has produced in the last 20 years, don't you? Oh, you can laugh. If you've lived long enough, you know, just time out. Oh, yeah, I had some time out. They get to whipping so hard, you'd be like, time out, time out. Please. I'm seeing dead relatives over here. I was about to go.
Darling, I'm sorry. They won't whip you. <laughs> just a couple more and we'll be done. I just want to tell you this. I want to go on record. This kind of like my testimony to the Lord today, I guess. He's helped me with beauty and buoyancy and the preciousness of family and friends. My life's beautiful. It's colorful. It has some broke trees. You say, what happened here? He said, oh, let me tell you about that. Wind broke it off, lightning, you know. Somebody ran through your house with a car. I've got all those things too, but I just want to go on record for those that are younger and you look at somebody that's lived 40 years with the Lord. I have a beautiful life. I told Kelly when we were... Uh, at Natalia's the other night, she took me to, man, I ate. I, oh, mercy. But it's, it's okay because my thyroid's acting better and I can, I can do that. <laughs> I told her, I was just, I said, my life is just beautiful. That's not a boast. That's a humbling thing. Because I've lived through the ashes. And I remember the whisper of his Holy Spirit years ago says, save your ashes. And out loud, I said, sir, save them. And I pictured myself sweeping up all that was, never knowing of what all was to come. John don't even know it, but he's sweeping up the ashes of, of rejection and abandonment. He's sweeping them up, and I'm going to make him a daddy. He don't even know. You've been so good to me, Lord. So, so good to me. Beautiful to me. Tender and precious and kind. Knowing how I was wired. Kelly said when, I, when we got our girls, she said, it was the best thing you never knew you wanted. I'd said all my life, I said, I'd be okay not to have children. Those of you who know me now, you'd be, what? I, I was fine, I guess. I'm, I was selfish. Why do I don't want children? I'm afraid I would reap <laughs> if I had children, you know, what you sow, you reap. Dear Lord, if I had one of me, I'd quit. <laughs> I was a joy, wasn't I, Mama? Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I don't know where this would fit in a, a sermon later, so let me hold my place here. But my mom, after my dad died, worked two jobs, you know, went to work at six in the morning, left at six in the morning, come home at 11 at night. And so we didn't get to see her much. And she came to an assembly one day, and back then, kids would be, they don't believe you, but principal had those paddles, y'all remember? Them? Like fraternity paddles, you know, with the handle, and they put little holes in them and stuff. And uh, they would give the paddle away in seventh grade to the one that got the most licks. And so my mom was there, you know, just was celebrating. She finally got a little time off, and, went, and the winner of this year's paddles, John Wood. And all my friends were like, yeah, and my mom goes, so that's why I wasn't planning on children, see? You know. I look over and saw Stacy and Hub and Mama Sheila and Jake and Carla. And the different, there's so many I can name you. He surrounded me with family and friends that are better to me than I can ever be to them. Yeah, the Lord's helped me with friends and family and, and beauty and goodness. And uh, 
One of my enemies one time told me this. Did you know sometimes the devil will preach to you? Mean people. The, did you know the Lord can use anything? He can speak through a mule if he wants to. One of the people that despised me. How do you know they despised me? They tell you. People. <laughs> how do you sleep with that? With the fan on. That's how I sleep. I can't make everybody happy. She said, well, I'll tell you this one thing. I know no matter what I say or what I do, you're going to come out smelling like a rose. And later on, I realized, you're right. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. And the fragrance of my life was not purchased at the approval of men. It was his goodness and his glory. Very quickly. He led me into victory and absolute freedom. Don't mind telling you, I spent my 20s half awake, drunk four or five nights a week for seven years. And on July 6, 1986, when he welcomed this prodigal home, he just took it. Ain't had one sip of nothing. And I'm not looking for a hand clap. I'm just telling you how good he was because some things he left me to deal with. And other things he said, I just say this over you. And it was gone. Now, is the desire gone? Oh, no. It's been 86, 30-something years. You hear me tell you all the time, I'll be in a restaurant and I'll hear, and I'll go, that was a gooseneck somewhere. I know, I, I know. So what do you do now? I order a tea because I'm free. I'm not bound anymore. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that the only thing I'm bound to is my debt to him. My debt to Christ and all he's been to me and for me. By the restoring of my soul, he has helped me. It said the cities which the Philistines had taken were restored to Israel. If our musician would come, please. It said all the cities that the Philistines had taken, when the Lord thundered, they got it back. In the worst years of my life, when I lost everything, the Lord gave me a dream. And uh, what's the dividing line between old men and young men? Your young men show. Dream dreams. Yeah, I don't dream more. I have visions now. The old men have visions. But I had a dream, and I was walking through a burnover field. Like, a, like you'd say the back 40. A burnover field, and it was barely smoldering in some places. And in the corner of that field was a Victorian house. Wraparound white porch and hanging baskets of vibrant color of plants, you know, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful color. And I felt the Lord, and John, you said a lot now about the Lord said to you and the Lord spoke to you. Well, over the 35 years, yes, there's been some things I felt his spirit has shown me he, 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 he'll, you know, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered our heart what the Lord's prepared for us, but he reveals them unto us by his spirit. I felt the Lord say, this is your life, John. And all you see is this burn over part. All you see is the part that's gone. And in the corner, he said, I'm about to do something very beautiful for you. 
having no idea that God would grant me my teenager as the, having no idea that I'd be a daddy having no idea that I'd laugh again and smile again and love again and unless you've been here you don't understand when you've longed to die and then you get to live that you have the capacity for joy and you t- I know that they don't understand say what's all that you wouldn't understand and he, and he restored my soul he said John I'm not going to restore you with what you lost but I'm going to put it right on top of what you lost and now my house is full and still praying for more every time I see y'all with one of these little babies I want another one because that's all right. I'll be dead in a few years and Kelly can finish raising all of them. (laughs) Oh, if you're visiting, I'm sorry. This is is who I am. And then finally, he's helped me with the promise of eternity. I look behind me. He's been good. I look in front of me, and he's good. And when I think about where I'm headed, oh, you think I'm exaggerating. I think about it every day of my life. When I get home, I'm not only going to see him. I'm going to come into a place where there's no sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. I will never cry another tear. I will never feel sorrow again. I will never experience regret or pain. Those of us over, you know, the, and by the way, save those jokes. You know, that everybody's good. You know, 60's the new 50. No, it's not. It's 60. 60 with high mileage. If it don't hurt, it don't work. Everything hurts. And in heaven, listen, nothing hurts ever again. I'm on my way to Zion. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Either I'm going to die and see him or he's going to come in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and he's going to change us. And this corruption is going to put on incorruption and this mortality is going to put on immortality and then it's going to be brought to pass the saying that is written, oh, death, where is that sting? Oh, grave, where is that victory? Yeah, he's helped me. He's given me all I need for my past. He's given me all I need for my today. And he's given me all the hope I need for tomorrow. John will kill you, would you? I've been kind of like Paul. I've been hung between both worlds thinking which way. But if you'd knock me off, it'd help me get this quicker. What's the devil going to do with somebody that has the help of the Lord? Absolutely nothing. Because no matter where you put them, they're looking. And I don't know who this is for. Any moment now. You ought to tell your wife, any moment now, help is coming. Any moment now, help is coming. Stace, any moment, it's coming. Our help, it cometh. Not it might come. If God says cometh, you think God knows grammar and English and and whether it's futuristic or present? He said, your help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord. I'd like to play this one song uh, more for the Lord than for you. But uh, before we play it, if, if you're not a Christian today, there's nothing you can do for yourself. Nothing. 
You are just like me. We're sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We're not righteous. No, not one. Well, what am I to do? You're to hear the message that there's nothing you can do and cry to God to rescue you and, and save you. And God responds to your natural cry and recreates your spirit, man, and gives you eternal life. Only He can do it. But I just wanted, I guess I can because I'm the pastor, but I wanted for my 60th to tell you how good God has been. And I just, I hope this message, even though I was in parts of it, this message isn't about me. It's about his help. Would you play that for me, Josh? And if you identify along with it, you can, you know, Lord, that's me too, so. so good to make it this far and I didn't think I could take it so long there were days I wanted to quit and I said surely this is it but I held on and I've watched as so called friends turn and walked away and it hurt so much I didn't have words to say but even when my day turns to night and nothing seems just right Lord I thank you for for my life for my life Lord I thank you for every victory in you I've seen And all the moments I know Lord, it was you who kept me So I thank you for, for my life And I've watched you take my family from there to here and when times were a little rough, God, I know you were near. Thank you, Jesus. And the moments I thought I'd fail, I was reminded of your nails. So I held on. And if I never live to see another day, there's nothing I would change or take away I've had so many ups That they far outweigh my downs Lord, I thank you for my life For my life Lord, I thank you For every victory Thank you. 
Come on, somebody. Is that your testimony today that you can thank Jesus for your life? I mean, I, maybe you hadn't been where I've been, but man, that, that song just strikes a chord. Thank you, Jesus, for my life. For everything that I didn't think was going right, you were there. Surely, goodness and mercy has followed me every day of my life, and it will. And God, I just want to thank you for that. Church family, I, I pray that you have a, a wonderful Lord's Day, and I think that uh, every one of us can leave out of here with at least this one common thing in mind, that we didn't get here on our own, that he has helped us up until this moment, up until this day, up until the very second that you're sitting here listening to this message, he has helped you. I don't know if you got a story like mine, but some of us feel like we shouldn't be here. We don't belong here. We should have been gone a long time ago, but he helped me. And he helped you. And his promise is that he'll continue to do so until he calls you home. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this testimony today and this just evidence of your goodness all over our lives, God, that you don't keep it a secret. We don't always know it when you're doing it, but if we'll pay attention, the evidence is sprinkled all over the timeline of our life. All we have to do is look. 
And if we can keep a grateful mindset and a grateful heart, that evidence starts to shine even more and more bright. And it's easier and easier to pick out, Father. And even in the times when we don't know that you're there, you're working on our behalf, not because we're good or great, but because you're great and faithful and you love us. Father, we just ask that as everyone leaves here today, that we would be reminded as we leave and throughout our week that you are good and you have helped us, and that we will start turning and showing our gratitude and our gratefulness towards you for that. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Christ Chapel family, have a great Lord's Day.